and welcome back to Florida Foodie. I'm Lisa Bell. And I'm Candace Campos. And today's guest has been around Central Florida's food scene for quite some time, working in catering and restaurants all around Orlando. But he had long waited to open up his own restaurant. That's been his dream. And he's been able to make a reality in 2019, pulling his mom on board to even help. But then 2020 hit, which caused struggles for really the entire restaurant industry. Fortunately, Alex's Fresh Kitchen weathered the worst of the pandemic and is still serving up scratch-made meals for breakfast and lunch. To tell us more about it, we are joined today by Chef Alex Diaz. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Tell us about yourself. How did you get into the restaurant industry? Uh, I was kind of born into it. My father's a chef. I'm originally from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, a small town. Uh, just started working in the kitchen with my dad. Italian kitchen was called Animia's. Not around anymore. Started doing um, prep cooking, a uh, little bit of dishwashing, a little bit of everything my dad was showing me, but not cooking just yet at that moment. So once I got into cooking, was a little bit into when I got into culinary school at LTCI in uh, Lehigh. So I did that for about two years and I phased out. Once I phased out of that, I got into corporations like Darden. So and I worked for Darden for a long time. And uh, that's kind of how it all started for me as far as how it all became. So once I came to Houston, uh, Houston was a big challenge for me because I worked corporations all my life and I never got into like any independent. So that really put me in a challenge as far as knowing how to make a sauce or make a hollandaise sauce. Cause I didn't know any of that stuff. My dad didn't teach me any of that stuff. So that was the, that was the turnaround for me that I was like, wow, I need to like figure out all this stuff. I didn't learn this in school. I didn't. So a lot of it came from self-taught and a lot of good chefs that I worked under that gave me the, the knowledge and, you're, and you were saying that you know your dad obviously helped you kind of go through the whole you know every step of the process of you know being and working in a restaurant I mean so give me a kind of an idea of what your family life was when it comes to food you know what type of food was was a favorite around the table oh nothing I do now that's for sure really? um, I would say I wouldn't say we were poor but I would say we lived a a little bit above average, um, but my grandparents didn't have much. Um, so a lot of Spanish food and Puerto Rican, so a lot of bag, a lot of rice and beans. And oh yeah, my grandmother. I think that's where my creativity comes from. Is from like my grandmother. She would just like create anything. Like we would have pretty much just scraps of stuff that she would put together, and she would make amazing meals. And uh, that just used to like get me all the time. Like go have time. How did my Wella do that? Like, how did she do that? So uh, just growing up was really all family oriented. My grandfather was very family oriented. So when Thanksgiving came around, we got together. We ate a lot with family, uh, but nothing extravagant, uh, like lobsters and shrimps. It's just mostly turkeys, hams, rice and beans, you know, mm-hmm. some salads. And she would make her own dressing. So. I make like all kinds of burgers and stuff like that now. And that, that was never, oh, you want McDonald's? She would make her own burgers, but it was never like, it was actually <laughs> better. 
What I mean, so many of us, you know, have these great culinary influences in our life. And and I think most people at some point in their life have worked in a restaurant um, or in the food industry in some capacity. But what prompted you to take that leap from going from, you know, basically working in every single aspect, as you said, even washing dishes to saying, I want this to become my life. I want to open up my own restaurant. Um. I think it was just where I lived and where, where I was coming from. You know, I, uh, I see the outside friends and family, see where they were going and they weren't going in a great path. So that kind of pushed me in a way that I wanted to do better for my family, for myself. Uh, I see my grandfather, he worked for Bethlehem Steel Company for over, thir- over 30 years. And uh, it just wasn't enough. You know, uh, I, I see him, I just see him, worked so hard and he worked in the garden and he was a, a, a sower and also a creator too. But um, I just wanted to be able to do more for my family as far as like, I didn't finish school all the way. Sorry. Um, I, I just went to culinary school. I went to a Voltec. Uh, so I just wanted to set more an example, example in my family and my neighborhood and where I'm from. That's why I, I think that's mostly the reason why I just wanted to jump out of, like, I was so eager to cook and my dad just didn't want me to cook. And I never understood that. And my dad's been a chef for over 40 years. And I think maybe he just didn't want me to fall in the same path as him. Um, but this is, uh, the more and more that I do this every day, I don't think I would do anything else. Like I wouldn't be a happy person. Like I wouldn't, I don't know what kind of job I would do. Like this is, this is my life. I was born for this. I just, I meet so many people and it's the, the restaurant business is so hard. It's not like I'm making millions of dollars. You know, I'm not like a celebrity. And even if I was, I don't think that would matter because cooking and meeting and captivating while uh, catching all these people together and bringing them all together, whether they like a burger or a vegan burger or a chicken sandwich or whatever, it's just uh it's really uh, heartwarming. Yeah. Makes me makes me makes me get up in the morning and just want to do more and be more creative and do more things for more people, like the gluten free stuff that my mom started. Uh, she bakes the cakes, and the gluten free stuff is really really taken off. It's really it's really um, a lot of people come here for the fried chicken sandwiches because they haven't had a gluten free chicken sandwich in like twenty years or more. So they come here and I hear these stories. So the stories just move me to be more motivated and creative every day to come here and just keep going and keep going. And Castleberry is hard. Castleberry is tough. It's one of the hardest places I've, I've worked at or I've been in a restaurant. I used to help Jamie McFadden Cuisineers Catering for about five years and that's up the street from me. But that's catering. Like here, it's like, trying to bring people in it's uh it's challenging yeah so well, i mean your your dream was to open up your own kitchen and i mean alex's fresh kitchen when we when we hopped on here on zoom you said we just finished the crazy you know lunch rush what is a day in the life at your at your kitchen like a roller coaster <laughs> you don't know what's gonna happen like originally when I opened, I opened from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And I was just doing breakfast and lunch. And then COVID came. 
So that kind of, we had to adapt to the hours and do takeout only, try to do uh, dinners. So I, I started creating all this stuff and a lot of people started liking what we were doing, but it was kind of getting out of the, out of what we do. So it was very hard to, Hey guys, thank you. Sorry about that. It's okay. Oh, it was distracting. Uh, <laughs> sorry. So you but, started. Um, so you were starting at seven. You were going to three, and then it went to takeout. Yeah, and then we started doing dinners, and then uh, COVID was lifted, and then we had the whole mask stuff and the mandate. So it's like. I don't play politics and I don't want to bring that in my restaurant. I want everyone to come to my restaurant, but I don't want people to come in here and talk about politics. So it was very hard to gain certain trust in this area as far as Castleberry himself, like uh, the comrades. And I was trying to do pop-ups and beer and wine and open up later. And it just was, it was just, COVID was very difficult time for, I think every restaurant period, even now, like I would say the, the new uh, labor cost is like 40, 45%. Like, I feel Crazy. like I'm running a fine, fine dining place now because the, everything's so high. Like, there's nothing I can do. Like, I can go to GFS, I can go to Restaurant Depot, I can go to Publix, you can go to Walmart, you can go anywhere, local. Everything is up. And some, a lot of people complain, some people don't. Some people understand, some people don't. It's just, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love it. You know, it's like I wake up and I fight every day. What am I going to do? Like, we're going to make it today. We're not going to make it today. So it's like a roller coaster. It really is a right. roller coaster ride. Like, I'm like sweating now because I'm like putting all the food away, two food away. I was like, it's three o'clock. I'm like, 3 05. I'm freaking late. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like man, this is like, it's always something. It's always it's something. like a relationship, isn't it? Uh -huh. Like, it's beyond you know, some, a relationship. Some days you love her, some days you don't love her. You know, it's just, it's just difficult. It is crazy though. And it's interesting to hear your perspective because obviously, uh, you had many years of experience working in the restaurant industry, but I think no matter what industry you're in, this pandemic has made things very, very different. Yes. And so I know you said you didn't want to talk about politics, but I mean, I guess what I'm gathering from you is you were trying to follow some maybe mandates that were put in place by local or state or federal governments or whatever. And then you were the face of that and were you know, basically absorbing all these comments or feedback from people when you were just trying to do what you were told to do by other people. Yeah. And I'm just trying to run my restaurant. So it was, it was hard. I, I have an open kitchen here. So you see everything we do. You come up to the register, you see me, I'm back there. You see everything, the floor, you see how clean we are. And it's, it was very tough to like, we're back there in 90 something degrees mm -hmm. up here at 70 degrees. You know, we're sweating, having a mask on, you know, sweat is dripping everywhere. You know, I, I, I'm trying to like tell these, tell my guys like, you know, wear a mask. I don't want to feel like I'm forcing you or forcing anybody, especially anybody coming into the restaurant. So it's, it's just very hard to choose yeah. a side or play a happy yeah. medium to be like, hey, if you yeah. want to wear a mask, wear a mask. We don't. You don't. Uh, if you want Especially to do as a new restaurant or newer where you didn't have like a relationship with your clients or customers for years and years and years that, Correct. you know, where people knew you and, and, you know, knew what you were all about. So this was kind of like their first interaction. I bet that was 
challenging to say the least beyond challenging especially when they write reviews and it has nothing to do about food and it has everything to do about you know Mm. politics and covid and no one's wearing a mask and this and yeah i'm like i understand everything Mm -hmm. but when you're in you have seven tables here very very close quarters you know we did the six feet apart thing Mm -hmm. until they lifted it and then you know you come down you sit down you take your mask off you eat i mean people that come in are going to see people with their masks off we're not a a big area where we can separate you know 150 seating i'm 32 seating it's not it's half of that is 15 it's not much so uh you touched was, on some of the costs. I mean, everyone obviously is also seeing that when they go to the grocery store or they go to a restaurant, rising costs. Have you even had the time to try and investigate if there's anything you can do, whether it's trying to buy from local farmers or, you know, whatever, yeah. local growers to try and reduce some of your costs? I have been doing that. I actually had, I have one purveyor at first, which was U.S. Foods, but now I'm doing two plus local. So I have to split up certain produce, certain products as far as meat, where I'm getting from and try to work my best as far as that. And so far it has been, it has been working, but it kind of like, I feel it messes up the relationships that I already had with someone else that I've been loyal to. Mm -hmm. So now I'm not spending so much money here or so much money here. It's kind of just spread out evenly i guess mm-hmm. just more paperwork which is a pain on top of the roller coaster ride so it's like it's days that i'm like oh, i'm gonna get paperwork done we're busy all day and then the day before i could have got paperwork done because we weren't busy but we have to create the specials and prep all day so it's mm-hmm. like it's the beast it's the nature of the beast it's just like it's always going to be something there in front of you no kitchen runs at 100 percent uh, I think right. Thomas Keller said that. And I think his kitchen runs at 75%. And that's still not 100%. So you can't imagine what that's I like. Mean, and in the beginning of, of the podcast, we talked about uh, you brought you brought mama on board. What is yes. it like working with your mom? Amazing. Yeah. A lot better, uh, I would say a lot better than my, working with my father. Okay, makes sense. And uh, uh, I guess because she's always been my supporter and she's always pushing me to do things that I won't do. Um, and she also worked with my father for, for quite some time, not, not in the kitchen, but maybe as a server. So she understood why he didn't teach me and how he was. And, you know, he was a little, I wouldn't say, uh, a good trainer, I guess. She says that I'm more of a better trainer than he is. So I guess that kind of like, sums it up with guess what person you kind of is cooking mm-hmm. in the kitchen more loud and move out of my way if you don't know what you're doing roof you know that right. type of thing i like to embrace new people into the kitchen um all my servers i try to teach them new stuff like because we're all hands-on here i don't have a fry guy saute guy sous chef this yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't believe in that i think everybody can cook i think uh if you have some common sense and put some cheese and bread together, you know, it's, you can cook. It's very simple. Just follow direction. But, um, you need to have a good trainer to be able to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And good recipes. Yeah. Yeah. I, we do have recipes. We, we so have recipes. What are your specialties? Um, I would say the creations, uh, me and, and the guys, we get together every, 
Saturday and Sunday at the end of the week, and we talk about what we have left, what we can do, uh, check with the fish purveyor, what they have, check with the local farmers and see what they have. And then we just come up with a bunch of ideas. And we just, I usually take care of the burgers. So any burgers that come out, I usually create them and everything else, my other guys, they take care of. In the beginning, it was just me and my mom, but now she just bakes the cakes. So it's basically a brand new menu every week. Yes. And I have a staple menu as well. That's what we are known for, for our chicken sandwich, the Mamba Burger. So I won Orlando Burger Week uh, 2019. Woo, congrats. That was good. Um, That's got us noticed for that one. Earlier, you mentioned you work for Darden. And yeah. you know, the way you describe your menu, it's very much Seasons 52, which is for people who haven't heard of Darden, is one of their restaurants famous for Olive Garden and, and starting many other uh, companies, including at one point Red Lobster. Um, so how did that influence what you're doing now? I would say more of the structure. Um, I went, I jumped, I was a certified culinary professional for Darden. So I did a lot of training and a lot of openings. So I went to the steakhouse, Longhorn, did Olive Garden. I did Red Lobster or Red Lobster. They had Eddie V's when they picked up Eddie V's from Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause Eddie V's was a seafood house at, in, in Houston at that time. And they picked them up. And then I, did a couple of rounds of Seasons 52 a little bit, but that one, Seasons 52 and Capitol Grill are a little bit different. They're, they're Darden owned, but they have like a lot of good chefs, like a lot of, like, when I say a lot of chefs, I'm talking about like 200 chefs that they do and like corporate, they come out with these menus. So there's really like, there's no moving up in there unless you move up the ladder as far as in another position. Yeah. And but those places are great. Being a newer concept, I mean, you develop, you know, a, a dish, say, and someone comes in, and then when you don't have it on the menu the next week, I mean, are they mad? What's going on? What's the reaction? Uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> get mad. Uh, so, so that's pretty much why, I, if you ever get a chance to look at the menu, there's a fan favorites part. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how that started: the Mamba Burger, the BLGT, the Carolina Reaper, and the Allison's Choice. The Allison's Choice was after Allison Torres, a news anchor, I believe, from um, Spectrum. Mm-hmm. She, came, she came out here and she did uh, a little video on us. And I, we had it, called it something else, but I don't remember. So my mom was like, why don't we just call it the Allison's? And I was like, and then that became a fan favorite. And then the Carolina Reaper became a fan favorite. Then my mom was like, why don't you create, uh, you know, like a, BL, a BLT, but uh, fried green tomato bacon and I was like okay so that's how that came about you can call that one burger. the Candace and Lisa I like that one I like that one you can call oh, that, that one the Candace and Lisa the Candace and Lisa okay we could change it up, change <laughs> the, it up. yeah the, the Campbell Campbell, Campbell. Yeah, do Canadian bacon lettuce okay what else I don't know what I'm not a chef the I, tea, I, the tea would be for be, you don't need to be I a guess. chef to do that my mom's my mom's not a chef she created it three pieces of bacon bacon jam roasted pepper aioli lettuce and three fried green tomatoes you had me a bacon jam i know what is that so you know what basically what you do is you cut up bacon and you render it inside pot so you get all juices you take the juices take 
take the bacon out, leave the juice inside, then cut up some onions and garlic, put that in there, let that saute. Once that sautés, it'll start to come translucent. Mm -hmm. Then you want to add some sugar in there, like brown sugar, um, some vinegar, like apple cider, some sweetness to it, and maybe something like uh, brown, like a brown gravy. Um, there's a lot of like bouquet. There's a lot of stuff that you can put in there. Um, I usually just use like soy sauce or something like that to give it a more salty and put it inside, put the bacon back inside, let it cool down, reduce. Once it reduces, it's going to look like, it's not going to look very appetizing. You're just <laughs> going to put it inside a RoboCoop or something that you can blend it up and you blend it up and it becomes like a jelly, like a, like a jam. And you can spread it literally on anything. And it's really wow. good. Do you sell that separately? Like in a jar? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do the aioles and I do my dad's Italian vinaigrette. Ooh, it's the onion nice. dressing that we use here at the restaurant. So, so Alex, what's next? I mean, I know you're, you're like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a scratch kitchen, you know, you're constantly on that hamster wheel, but is there, is there plans for something down the road? Yes. Uh, right now, my main focus is trying to either stay in an established Castleberry area or move over to Orlando where I currently reside, because I think Orlando appreciates more of the food that I do. And you're stuck right now between a bunch of chain restaurants, right? I mean, I was at Google maps and it was like kind of tucked in there. So it's not the easiest place to just, you know, find and I got Wawa right here, right next to me. And then I got yeah. Tijuana flats right there. Uh, I don't, I don't, as a chef and as growing up and just working in restaurants, mm -hmm. I don't, see myself as a competitor or worry about other people because I feel like if you design a product and you make a good product and people taste it and people talk, they're going to come. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always stuck by that because that's what my dad, I've always, I grew up seeing my dad in the kitchen and he's always cooked for all types of people, football players, celebrities, everyone, everyone knew my father in, in town, but never like nationally. I, I think he was too scared to go that next level. And he just kind of just stood stagnant there, but which is fine. But I've always admired that. And I always felt like he's right because my grandfather was the same way too, and what he believed in. And I believe if you stick in what you believe in, it's going to happen. It's going to be that way. As long as you put that energy, into it, it's going to be that way. If you think negativity, it's not going to get that side. And it does, I mean, it does seem like you have your mom on your side who sits there and the little nudges that a mom, that a mom is really good at doing. All the time. <laughs> how far she can push you. Yes. I mean, she's the one that started the burger. And um, when Kobe Bryant had passed away that day, a lot of people came in here looking for burgers and I didn't make burgers. And she's like, Alex, just make a freaking burger. <laughs> all right, mom, I'll make a burger. I just, that's how the Mamba burger came about. And I, I thought about Kobe Bryant himself, and what type of person he was. And uh, I made the eight ounce burger in representation of his number of his first year when he was in the NBA. And then I created 24 unique spices to represent his other number. And then as far as his personality, I, I thought about how he was always smiling and stuff like that, even when he had a bad game or a good game or when he was dunking on your face. 
Um, he always had that <laughs> cheesy smile. So came up with this mamba cheese sauce to go on top of the burger and fried pickles and fried jalapenos to represent his attitude and how he how he was. And uh, and that's what uh, I feel that's what made us big out here. Mama Burger. I even got tattooed on my arm here. Wow. You do have it tattooed <laughs> on your arm. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. When we won, when we won 2019, it was, you know, pandemic. Like, I did not expect in my first year to win anything. And uh, when Orlando Weekly told me, you know, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Those so it was the mama, it, it, was, it was that burger. It was that burger, yep, that one. So that's what I do every time. Anytime I, if I do a pop-up or anything like that, I do a Bomba burger and chicken sandwiches just so, because I feel like that's what we're known for. That's our niche. You know? mm-hmm. How often do you have aspiring chefs ask you for advice on what to do to open their own restaurant? <laughs> well, actually, recently I've had quite a few people reach out to me to ask me how I got where I'm at now and I just tell them that hard work and never give up because as soon as you give up you let someone else win that's just the way I look at it mm-hmm. and uh, if you don't get what you want if you're like as far as like if you don't go for it you will never get it because no one's going to give it to you right so I was fortunate enough to have my parents step in and, and believe in my craft and what I do. And, uh, you know, they put their, their livelihood on the line, you know, to make Alex's Fresh Kitchen happen. And, uh, mm-hmm. right now I'm just trying to make it work, you know, even with everything going on, it's like I said, it prices, everything, getting people in here is, is tough, but I don't let it, I don't let it, mess me up and I just keep going forward and just keep trying to be positive and bring people in I mean we can't see what what you do I mean I mean you have so much love and so much passion for the food I mean Lisa and I we you know we've been doing this podcast now for two seasons and to be honest you're kind of one of those chefs where I say truly loves his menu he loves his his restaurant I mean that's you can just see it when you Mm -hmm. You just have this moment where you have to, you stop and you just like. I mean, you tattooed the burger in. on your arm, so you better. I mean, for God's sake. I got a lot more. I got my chicken and waffles. You don't need a menu. You just show got, people your arms. I got her her lemon pie here. Yeah, I love it. I so, you know, here. <laughs> you just come in, you know, sit down at a table and you start taking off your clothes and we pick what we want. So there you go. That's a different type of restaurant, Lisa. (laughs) Well, Alex, thank you so much. Uh, We wish you all the best. We hope that you continue to grow and expand into Orlando as well. And uh, hopefully, you know, you'll be able to navigate just fine through these crazy times that we're living in right now and things will settle down a little bit. I believe so too. I think it's starting to, everything's starting to come back. I think once everything starts to come back, a lot of the market will open up. There'll be more opportunities. You know, that's what I believe. God doesn't give you something that you don't need at the moment. It's always going to come when, when you really need it. Right. So. Right. And where can people find all your information? Do you have a website, Instagram? Uh, you have- 
Instagram is Alex's Fresh Kitchen, Facebook, Alex's Fresh Kitchen, and Alex's Fresh Kitchen FL.com if you want to check out the website and stuff like that. And your main crossroads are what, 436, right? In Castleberry? Yeah, it's kind of, it's like 436 and Sausalito Boulevard. So it's like <laughs> Redbuck Lake and Sausalito. I just try to tell everyone look for the big red yellow building, and we're in between Wawa and Tijuana Flats. It's yeah. the best place to find us. The best stuff is in the middle us. anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> best stuff is in the middle anyway. So there you go. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Good luck. Good Thanks. Luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Florida Foodie. We'd also like to thank our guest, Chef Alex Diaz. You can find his restaurant online at alexsfreshkitchenfl.com or head to facebook.com slash alexsfresh. Be sure to follow Lisa Bell online, search Lisa Bell News on Facebook and Instagram, or Lisa Bell News 6 on Twitter. You can find Candace Campos on social media. She's on Twitter, just search at Candace News 6, and on Facebook, search Candace Campos News 6. Also, a big thank you to our technical producers, Derek Mosier and Ryan Haley. I'm the show's producer, Thomas Mates. Please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or tell a friend about us. And you can find videos of all of our podcasts at clickorlando.com slash Florida Foodie. And be sure to sign up for the Florida Foodie newsletter while you're there.